Father, this morning we just thank you for our children, Lord. We bless them in your name. All our children. We continue to believe and therefore speak over them that all our children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be their peace, Lord. Commit everyone here, present here, listening online. And I pray, Father, you would meet each one at their point of need. There's so many struggling. But the answer is Jesus. And every blessing is in Jesus. Meet us, Lord. Our needs are different. But the answer is the same. Jesus. Once again, Lord, we just thank you for bringing us through in difficult times, bringing us through. Come it everyone once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes, Sunday school. And you can come to the front, okay? There are three seats here. Whenever people speak about birthdays, I get worried. Got the first birthday mentioned in the Bible. The baker lost his head. Okay, we'll say he was a wicked man. That's why he got lost his head. The next birthday mentioned in the Bible, John the Baptist lost his head. Now, he was a good man. And then usually what follows birthdays is eating and drinking. And the Bible says when they were eating and drinking, sudden destruction came. So scripturally looking, birthdays doesn't seem to be that good. But we shall... Trust the Lord that our heads remain on our shoulders. <laughs> All set? Yeah, we can sit down. I know it looks warm at the back, but there are seats here. I'm telling you, it will be cooler here because the AC is here. So this morning before we look to the Word, we will look to the Lord that he may touch our hearts first, that we may believe, and our minds that we may understand. Our tongues that we may confess in every situation that Jesus is Lord. Father, this morning we come to you. We want to thank you, Father. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Because of who you are. 
what you have done and doing for us every moment of every day. And what you are preparing for your people. Truly, Father, in eternity only we will understand the meaning of the songs which we sang. That there is no one like you. Our understanding is so limited now, Lord. But Lord, one day when faith becomes sight, we will realize how awesome you always were. And we would truly regret that we didn't praise you and worship you when we were on earth. We just want to thank you, Father. Speak to us. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Edify us. Exhort us. Correct us. Do what only you can do, Father. I'm just a vessel. But you are the word. You are the power. The unction is yours. The increase comes from you. And therefore the glory is always yours. To that end, we come at this time and ourselves into thy hands. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I like gathering in this place. For one, I cannot see the clock, so I don't know when to stop. <laughs> Second, I know Pastor Sudhakar won't come after I finish. <laughs> then you don't need one hour to come from Jivan Jodi till here. It is just two minutes away. So I, I guess you're getting what I'm hinting at. <laughs> okay. So I think the yesterday's birthday, today the snacks will be provided at four. <laughs> Let's turn to Exodus chapter 1 and verses 6 to 8. And go forward. <clears throat> and Joseph died. And all his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. That is the beginning of the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. We need to realize, we need to realize why are things happening the way things are happening. Okay. See, Joseph was there. Israel prospered in Egypt. God's people prospered in the world. And nobody is thinking about going home. <laughs> Everybody's confession is, I shall not die but love. <laughs> nobody's thinking about heaven. Nobody's, Jesus is preparing, 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 but nobody's interested in going. So what did God do? He just turned the situation around that a king arose who did not know Joseph. And trouble started for Israel and trouble started for the church. Now they're all thinking heaven. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> There is a good way to go to heaven. <laughs> then, if we don't go that way, there is another way which God will order. That is what's happening in these last days. Okay? Please understand. The last days, the Bible itself says it will be so terrible. So terrible. 
Okay. And it's not terrible actually for everybody. It will be only terrible for God's people. Okay. Not necessarily terrible for everybody. It is only for God's people. It will become terrible. So when Joseph died, though there were multitudes from different nations in Egypt, it went bad only for Israel. It didn't go bad for everyone else. Okay, so get this picture. So this morning we'll turn first to, after that, to Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. This is perspective. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Whenever there is therefore, you should ask the question, why is it therefore? Therefore, why don't we lose heart? Why don't we lose heart? Honestly, because the thing is that one of the things which you need to understand is what I preach. No one here, unless you are absolutely surrendered to the Spirit of God, will receive it the way God is intending to speak through me, not even me. You will not receive it. All depends upon our perspective. If our perspective is eternal, we will receive what God is saying. If our perspective is temporal, we will receive something else, which God didn't actually say. Okay. So here is a servant of God who is going through the ringer. Okay. But his perspective is completely different. Completely different. Second Corinthians chapter 4, you should read. It's a very powerful chapter of a man whom God used most after Jesus Christ and his perspective. And he sums it up by saying, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And his outward man perishing is not like ours perishing. He's in hunger. He's in the desert. He's adrift in the ocean. He's whipped. He's in hiding. He's being chased. All things. So the outward man is perishing. Our outward man perishing is nothing. Till last night, the letters I get from the underground church, their outward perishing is something else. It's not like us. And he's part of that. But he says, it doesn't matter. Why? Because the inward man is being renewed day by day. That is the key. There is another person inside. The one who was born of God. The question is, what is happening to him? What is happening today, 22nd of October? It is around 10.30. You need to ask in this 10 hours and 30 minutes, how much time on the Lord's Day did we spend thinking, examining the inward man? That's the question. So we need to realize why are we... Not what we are going through. Why are we not able to handle what we are going through? It's because if the focus is on the outward man, it doesn't matter what you do. He is perishing. There's a day appointed, which day we do not know, for everyone's outward man to perish. He will go. She will go. Okay. The question is, what is happening to this inward man? Is he being renewed? Your hope is directly proportional to your renewal of the inward man. If the inward man is being renewed more and more and more, your hope goes up, up and up. 
But if it's not being renewed, your hope goes down. Okay. So you will see when he is waiting execution, his hope reaches the zenith. Like I said, there are very few men, few people in human history and as recorded in the Bible who knew what they would receive in eternity while living. Most of us sitting here are not sure what we'll get on the day of judgment. But Paul knew. How did he know? Because of how his inward person was being renewed. How his perspective was always eternal and not at the temporal. He says, our light affliction. Now, we don't, if you see what he went through, you don't see it as light. How do you see the trouble in your life? Do you see it as light or heavy? He's not denying there is affliction. There is affliction. But the question is, how do you see the affliction? Do you see it as light or heavy? Which is for a moment? How do you see time? Because we are all caught in time. When you are young, birthdays are exciting. When you are old, birthdays only mean you are older. <laughs> huh? okay. Okay. He sees as a moment the light affliction which is but for a moment. Now you can see one thing. The affliction is not light. And what you are going through is not momentary unless your perspective is right. How does he see it as light and momentary is because what he knows it is doing inside him. It is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal. This is light but glory is going to be heavy. The weight of glory. So you have to see. You have to see affliction in the light of glory. Light of glory. Like, like uh, the baby you saw, no? The mother is a tiny little one. Okay, she's a tiny little one. And she was very clear about it. Okay, normal birth and all that. But the baby was huge. Okay, 11 hours of labor. Still struggle. And then they tried suction. Still didn't work. Then finally she decided, okay, go for C-section. Okay, so... But once the baby is given into your arms, you forget all this. It is all gone. It is all gone. Okay. The light affliction, the eternal weight of glory. Suddenly you see time in a different perspective. How does it matter? It's eternity forever. It is not even time. I don't know how we will understand eternity only when we reach there. So that's what God is talking about. If you don't look at life, if you don't look at life in terms of eternity, we will waste our time here. We will run after the wrong things here. It's a waste of life. It's a waste. I'm talking to people who are saved. And I know you are saved. I believe you are saved. Okay. See, this whole week was preparing. That's what we do. We prepare. We prepare. We read. We prepare. We write our notes. Until this morning, I was kind of sure I believed God wanted me to speak and then this morning it changed all around to that one question we looked at last night. Okay? Because we've been looking at judgment. We've been looking at judgment. 
So believers, when they look at judgment, you should not be scared. It is looking at in terms of we are being judged for what we will receive in eternity. Okay. So, on earth, a lot of things are happening. A lot of things are happening. But in heaven, the perspective is completely different. Heaven is getting ready for another event, which you see in Revelation 19, 6 to 7, 6 and 7, or 8 and 9 also. I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Perspective is completely different. Because if you study the book of Revelation, Chapter 2, 1 is introduction, 2 and 3, you have the inspection of the churches. 4 onwards, everything changes. In 4 onwards, actually, you go through all the way to 18. It is terrible events that is happening on earth. But while these things are happening on earth, nothing is happening on earth. Earth is, heaven is getting ready for a wedding. Heaven is getting ready for a wedding. Earth trouble. Unbelievable, the kind of trouble Jesus said never before mankind has ever experienced is happening on earth. But heaven is getting ready for a wedding. So the simple question is, therefore, what is God's people getting ready for? Getting ready for. That's why the Bible says our perspective. When we talk about faith, Faith is never looking at the temporal. Faith is always looking at the eternal. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Though you can use faith for little temporal things, but faith is not connected ultimately with the temporal. Faith is connected with the eternal. If you focus on faith, even as believers, if you focus your faith on the temporal, the Bible actually says you will become very miserable. But the most hopeless of people will become. Because we, when we were saved, we were not saved for the temporal. We were saved for the eternal. But when we talk about judgment, when we talk about judgment, the first thing we need to understand is this. In John chapter 3, fundamental, basic, verse 16 onwards. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but everlasting life. It's absolutely broad. Whoever believes in him, in the person, believes in him, not teachings. Every religion says believe in the teachings, not in the teacher. In this case, believe in him. Should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 18 is what is important. He who believes in him is not condemned. This is the first line we have to cross. But he who does not believe is condemned already. While you are living on earth, you are already condemned. You are already condemned. Judgment is already passed over you. You are just waiting for the sentence. Which part of hell you will go to? Which part of the lake of fire you will go to? You are already condemned. 
So this is the first line I believe we have crossed. Most, many, if not all of you, I believe, hope so, that you have crossed this. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. So the first judgment is a judgment of one. Like in, like if you know in courtrooms, the first thing is that the jury will come and uh, the leader of the jury will be asked a question, what is your verdict? And they will say either guilty or not guilty. The verdict is only two things. They will either say guilty or not guilty. The jury does not determine the sentence. The sentencing is determined by the judge. And the judge will say, judgment will be sentenced, the sentencing will be done on a later date. So if it is 22 of October, the jury may say, guilty. And on November 1st, the judge will pass the sentence. Okay, rigorous imprisonment for this many years, or life, or electric chair, or whatever. Okay, that is how it goes. So all who have not believed, already sentencing has been taken place. What is that? Guilty. A thousand years after Jesus reigns on earth, as we see in Revelation 20, the sentencing will take place. What you will get. On the other hand, all those who are not guilty, not guilty, their sentencing doesn't wait for a thousand years. It happens before, if you read the Bible, that is how I am not being very dogmatic about it, but it looks, it happens before the seven-year tribulation begins. And the seven-year period is a wedding of the Lamb. Well, there is hell breaking loose on earth. In heaven, something else is happening. And at the end of seven years is Jesus coming with the saints for the millennial rule. If that is not our perspective, we will struggle. We will struggle. So the simple question is, what are we preparing for? What are we preparing for? What are we preparing for? That's why always the call, keep your eyes, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. So today we will be looking at the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. It is the longest chapter. Book of Genesis has 50, 50 chapters. The longest is chapter 24. It's the longest chapter. It's very interesting. It's not chapter 1 when God creates everything. Or chapter 2 which talks about the specific creation of man. Or chapter 3 which talks about the fall. None of this. The longest chapter in the book of Genesis about a man's wedding. The search for his wife. And how the wife is found. And how the wife is brought to this man. And then he gets married to her and settles down. That is the longest. Why is it given with so much, so much detail? Because that is what the church is heading to. So there was this question yesterday. How do I become the bride? Or at least bridesmaid. Now you need to realize the Bible, all these terms are there. Bride is there. Bridesmaid is there. Guests are there at the wedding. Okay, Bridegroom's party is there in the wedding. Therefore, bride's party has to be there. So where will we get in is the question. First thing is that, get in. <laughs> First get in. Okay. Don't presume because 
You need to realize, as Jesus, Matthew is the, the longest account of Jesus' life is in the gospel according to Matthew. And when he comes towards the end, you will see the tone is changed. And he goes further and further and further into the end, how it is going to end. And you will know by the time he comes to chapter 24, they ask him the signs. But before that, all these parables are actually talking about the end. And he talks about a wedding banquet, where those who are invited did not come. And the king is very upset. And he says, go and compel them. Go to the bite streets and compel them and they're brought. And then when he comes to the wedding, he finds a person who's not wearing the wedding garment. And he said, friend, how did you manage to get in here? He said, throw him out. So don't presume. Be very sure you are invited and you got him. You don't have to be, you don't have to be thrown out on that day. So these are not for conjecture. These are all sureties in the Bible. You can know. You are saved now. You can know where you can, where you are going. And if you look at the life of Apostle Paul, you can actually probably before you die know whether you are part of the bride or the bridesmaid or wedding or serving outside. So we go to Genesis chapter 24. Okay, In Genesis chapter 24, there are four characters. The man called Abraham. The son called Isaac. A chief servant, probably his name is Eliezer. We do not know very sure. Eliezer is mentioned only in Genesis 15 when God comes to Abraham and says, I am your exceedingly great reward and your shield. And he says, what's the point? I am childless. And this Syrian, Damascus, remember, Damascus is one of the oldest cities in the world. Okay. This Eliezer from Damascus will inherit all. So we believe he is the chief servant. Okay. And then there is this girl called called Rebecca. There are four major, other characters come, but they are not important. Four major characters. It all begins with Abraham come of old. Sarah is dead. Okay, that's not part of the story. But that's a human thing. That's not an eternal thing. It's a human thing because in some cases God allows the mother to die. In some cases he allows the wife to die. When they become a stumbling block to the chosen one's purpose in God's kingdom. Okay. Because Sarah is very attached to Isaac. And Isaac is very attached to Sarah. And if she lives, Rebecca is going to have a difficult time bonding with her husband. Because every time she says something, he will ask his mother, what should I do? So Sarah dies. Joseph has got an eternal purpose in God's kingdom. But the problem is Rachel is a stumbling block. So God will take Rachel out. So that Joseph will have only one voice speaking into his life, the voice of his father, and not a conflicting. So please understand these principles because Sarah is absent in Genesis 24. Okay, so from that, simple lessons parents and husbands and fathers and wives and mothers need to understand is that when you say and pray for your children or your spouse or anybody, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, be sure you know what you are saying. It will be done. It will be done with you or without you. Okay? Because ultimately his will will be done. He will will be done. So you have chapter 24 and when you come to verse 6, Abraham said to him, okay, he's calling, he's calling, uh, uh, what's his name? Eliezer and says, you need to go. My boy will not marry a girl from this land. You go to my father's house and get a girl. 
the first principle of marriage don't marry an unbeliever who do you learn it from most of the things which we learn in the new covenant you will see we learn it from abraham's life so many things we learn from abraham's life that is why he is called the father of faith okay so the first thing is that don't marry an unbelieving girl or an unbelieving boy okay because you are running into trouble you're running into the first thing he says is that you will not get a girl from here instead go to my father's house and get a girl okay abraham said so there are these questions taking place the question is this first thing he tells is that you will not take my son back there the first thing you will not take my son back there so please understand when jesus comes first he's not coming down to earth he's not coming down to earth his bride his church is going to him this is how we see whether the doctrines in the old the new covenant the pictures are there in the new old covenant so we first thing abraham says is that my son is not going back okay he's not going back jesus came once that was to save us to deliver us a second time when he comes he is coming to rule he's not coming to get married so in between the marriage takes place so the first thing he says don't take my son back my son is not going back there he's not going back there so the in verse 8 the servant asked this question and if the woman is not willing to follow you then you will be released from this oath only do not take my son back what if the woman does is not willing to come so the question to the people what if there is no believer unbeliever believer to marry don't get married this is not a new problem this was right there in the beginning don't marry anybody from there and that one i find doesn't want to come there what do you do one thing is this you are released but my son is not going there it's not going there my son is not going there so the first question to ask is that the woman is not if if the woman is not willing how many men and women because when it come talks about the bride of christ there are both men and women in the church how many of you are willing to go to isaac how many of you are willing how many are prepared how many of you are ready if it is today how many of us are really willing how many of us when we wake up and when we go to bed that is our thought that's our thought if i'm going home is somebody waiting my whole life post salvation was a preparation to meet him is the woman willing so god says you don't worry every woman who is not willing my son is released from them my son jesus is not bound to any man or woman in the church who is not willing because he will always have willing people who have been crying for 2000 years maranatha come lord jesus okay it is not god does not have people who are willing the question is question are you willing then post that in verse 10 eliezer starts the journey then the servant took 10 of his master's camel and departed for all his master's goods were in his hand and he arose and went to mesopotamia to the city of nahor okay now just one line talking about the journey 
But the journey is around 500 kilometers. So it is not one day, one week, one month. It's weeks and months they are traveling. Okay. But when we are looking at this spiritually in the context of the new covenant, it is not the distance. It is the time. For 2,000 years, the Spirit of God has been traveling. And from every generation, he has already separated the bride of his son. Now he's waiting for the last generation. From every generation, all those who have died in faith, his son's bride has been separated. And they were those who were willing. They were prepared. That was, at some point, their life all changed. Because some point your life has, I'm not saying you begin with that. Somewhere in your walk of faith, this has to change. Something has to happen. That's why holding a baby is one of the most awesome experiences. Because you want, you need to realize, Enoch's whole life changed when his son was born. And the thing is that probably he was a normal, believing, praying man. I do believe that he went to God and asked, what should I name my son? And he said, name him Methuselah, which means when he dies, judgment will come. Once that happens, his whole life changed. And I like what my unbelieving uncle actually said. All diseases are not good. Some diseases are nice. If you are diagnosed, you go to your appointment and the reports will come in the evening. This evening, go meet your doctor and he says, I'm sorry, your diagnosis is cancer. And it's stage 2 or stage 3. I gave you 6 to 1 year, 6 months to 1 year to live. It's a good diagnosis. Because suddenly your perspective of everything will change. Now you will start very serious about eternity. Putting your life in order. And I saw that this year and last year. My mother was actually very hard and tough. And this thing. How in the last 3-4 months she became so quiet and so meek and so gentle. Because she was getting ready to meet her maker. What couldn't happen in 87 years happened in 6 months. But we don't have need those things. Our perspective can suddenly change because that is the coming of Jesus Christ. The, the, the last generation. Nobody knows the day or the hour. God says watch and pray. Because it will happen suddenly. But we have the the privilege of seeing the signs right before our eyes. The things that are prophesied are happening. And therefore, the question is that this is not talking about distance. This is spiritually talking about time. One life. He's the one who is in charge. Eliezer, the type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Lord of the church. He is the one in charge. That's why the Bible says where the spirit of God is Lord, where the Lord is the spirit, there is liberty. Everything is being worked out by God through the Holy Spirit. Nothing is worked out other than by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given sovereignty over what he does with the church. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is first one to save us and after that to prepare us for his son. That's the purpose of and he will make a long journey. And everything that is in the father's house, he is the steward he has. So every resource of the father, he will use for this purpose. Heaven's riches are at the disposal. Heaven's power, everything is at the disposal of the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose? To save, to sanctify a people for his son. Please uh, shut that door, okay? Because 
I am okay, but you will feel hot after some time. So, let us read further. So, he went, okay? And he made, so, one line, 450 kilometers, because the God doesn't want to waste time about the journey. We would want to know on a journey, right? We would like to walk. It's like, you, if you're like me, that's what I will do. My time, I will go on a, all the railway journeys from Siberia down to Andes Mountain. I will watch the journey. But God doesn't put it just one line. Okay, 450 miles, one line, over, done. Okay, so he's targeted. Purpose. Okay, purpose. What is the purpose of the journey? Please remember, we are not tourists. We are not tourists on earth. We are pilgrims. Okay, pilgrims. The difference. A tourist will go to, let us say, to Rome. A pilgrim also goes to Rome. The difference is the tourist is going to see the places. The pilgrim is going on a different purpose altogether. Okay? So we have, but most of us have a tourist mentality. That's the problem. We are not tourists. We are pilgrims. Keep that, keep that in your mind. We are not tourists. We are pilgrims. So he came, he reached a town, Nahor, and he didn't enter the town. We would enter the town. The Holy Spirit didn't enter the town. He's outside. And outside there is a well. Outside the city by a well of water at evening time. The time when women go out to draw water. Did you see the word time? Time. Where are you on time? Do you know what the well means in the Bible? Eliezer met Rebecca at the well. Jacob meets Rachel at the well. Moses meets Zipporah at the well. Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. There is a time. There is a time. Today it's 9.30. Half an hour extra time. For most people very close. But the one who lives farthest came on time. Brother Wesley and family with the three children. And at 9.20 when I was walking across, Dr. Richard just finished his night duty and came in and was here before 9.30. Everybody has the same time, right? So what is your excuse, excuse to Eliezer who is looking for the bride? I'm sorry I am late. But he says there are people who come before time. Now these things don't happen in one day. These are things which you have to work hard on yourself. Because rewards are eternal. Salvation is called the wells of salvation. Wells of salvation. Your appointment with God through the week. Then your appointment with God on the day, the first day of the week. It's called the Lord's Day. Just imagine John the Apostle is old now. It's okay, I have finished my race. I have done enough. Now let me rest because anyway I have been sent 
as a prisoner to this rocky island. There is no church, nobody to worship, nobody to preach to, nothing. Let me sleep late today. We wouldn't have the book of Revelation. But that's not what is written. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I was in the spirit. And I heard. And we have a book which we are all trying to break our heads so that we can get ready for the eventual end. So there was a time. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of the water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let's go further. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I might drink. And she says, drink. I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Hallelujah. So it's very simple. If you read scripture and you find out what is I mean, Eliezer has been given this unbelievable task where he can't go wrong. There's only one eligible bachelor in the land of Canaan. There is only one eligible bachelor in heaven. Isaac is 40 years old. Jesus is 40 into 50 jubilees, 2000 years old. Understand what 40 means in the Bible. 50 years is a jubilee. When liberty is proclaimed. Fifty, forties have passed by. We are coming to the end where liberty will be proclaimed to the church. Come up hither. And that's when the search has been going on. The search has been going on. Okay. So there she is. Okay, there she is. Rebecca is going to be make her introduction. Okay, she is going to come. And it happened. Before he had finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. So Rebekah comes. Now you need to realize, I mean, this is a technology age, so a lot of Young people who do everything with their apps. You know? In the old days, if you wanted to book a railway ticket, you had to go to the booking station. And you had to go 60 days in advance before it became 90 days. If you are late by 10 minutes, you can wait for the next year. Okay. So, <laughs> the reservation, this thing was there at Secunderabad. And... It opens at 8 o'clock. And if you are smart, you already have the reservation slip. Because 5 minutes will be lost when the gate opens to gather reservation slips. Then you have filled it and come. And then you rush up. So that you are at the maximum first or second or third in the line. So you got a confirmed ticket. Okay. The problem is all the women come in the evening to draw water. So there is a lady who comes ahead of time alone. If you look, there is nobody with her. She comes alone before time. 
Did you see that? So that group of gaggling girls, one person comes along. Think about it. Think about it. That's what always God is looking for. And that's a pattern you see through Jesus' life when he walks in Galilee, in Israel. He's always not looking at the crowds. He's looking at the individual, even today, which is the one who actually has come today believing. Crowds pressing around him. Crowds pressing around him. And he stops suddenly. And he's actually rushing because somebody's daughter is dying. He stops and says, who touched me? Peter says, Lord, everybody's touching me. He said, no. Okay. Only one that touched me because I felt virtue flow. Only one. Crowds are following him to Jericho. Everybody. He looks up and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. These crowds are tourists. You are the pilgrim. Come down. These are crowds looking for a spectacle. Finishing a chore of religion. But you are the pilgrim. You come down. I'm going to stop with you. What happens at the end of that encounter is God says salvation has come into this house. You go through the narrative over there. You will realize Jesus knows. Crowds and crowds of crippled, the lame, sick, all sitting over there. Nobody knows it is Jesus. He goes around and says, do you want to get wet? Pick up your mat and go. And he walks away. The individual in a crowd. It's very easy to get lost in the crowd. But God misses nobody. He knows today, the 22nd of October, who has come for him. He knows. And it makes all the difference in your life. That is what is called favor with God. All that makes. And here is she who comes alone. And she comes early. Comes alone. And she's there early. And one of the things, this is, this is the simple ways. Okay. Matthew 6.33 is there. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first. The focus is on the word first. Seek ye first. Because we all seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. But that is not the point for believers. The point is, do you seek him first? Rebecca is coming first. Rebecca is coming first. Rebecca is coming early. So today, October 22nd, make a decision. Lord, I heard something. It's convicted me. From next Sunday onwards, I will be early. And it's got nothing to do with pastor. It's got nothing to do with, even if I'm doing nothing in the church, yet I will be early. I will make it a point, oh Lord, to be early. I'm going to change my lifestyle. (coughs) Prioritize. Putting God first. That's why the Bible says, when we say, love God, how should I love God? God says, love your brother. He says, I am not the beneficiary of your love. The fact that you love me, I will ask you to love your brother. The beneficiary is your brother. So there are very visible ways where we can make ourselves make known to God, you are actually first. You are actually first. Okay, And you don't become first by accident on that day. It's your pattern. It's your pattern. It is her pattern. But the thing is that, imagine, this is the year 2023. Okay, 2023. 
January 1st, January 2nd, January 31 days of January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Every day evening she goes first. Nothing happens. All thing is she gets some water and comes back home. On the 22nd of October also she goes early for water and there is somebody waiting for her there. The problem is that once in our life we go early and expect an encounter with God. <laughs> and then we get so upset. I came early and God didn't meet me. God will say, that was the day I decided to be late. <laughs> this is patterns. These are patterns. Okay, these are patterns. And okay, people in the world do it for temporal things. Now we are talking about doing this for eternal things. It is not if every person in the world who has succeeded has, has these disciplines in their life. Now we are not talking about that. We are talking about things. Like I said, no, uh, when the worship leader speaks, listen to the words. Today when Brother Wesley, when he is praying, or the words he speaks. It's all our words of gratitude. Everything in the beginning. Why are we so grateful? Like I told you two Sundays back. The end of a devout religious man. Of an entire lifetime of religious discipline. Is hoping to be declared righteous at the end. Of which he has no hope. I once asked. One young man in Bhutan, Buddhist. He says, what is your hope? He said, sir, my hope is that maybe after thousand rebirths, I may be fit to be born as a Lama. I said, thousand? This is their hope. When we believe in Christ Jesus, we are given the righteousness of God, not of religion, as a gift. Just like that. And we are not grateful. We are not grateful. What that man can never achieve by works, we receive it as a gift. Though it is gift and free for us, it was not free for God. It was not free for God. The price that he paid, honestly, we will never understand. It is not, it is not possible for us to understand how we, we will never experience, we will never understand it. Even in eternity, we will not understand it. What it is for a holy God to become sin, we will never understand. It is impossible for man to understand what it is to be a pure, absolutely holy God to become sin for man. That is why even he was battling out in the garden of Gethsemane, take this cup away from me. But father, not why? Because this is something never happened in eternity. It has never happened in eternity before or past. It has never ever happened. And when he becomes sin on the cross, his cry changes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Never before and after that cry is heard in eternity. God has forsaken God for the sake of man. And we take this salvation so lightly. That's why the Bible, the writer of Hebrews says, if we ignore, neglect such a great salvation. Great salvation. That's why when we focus on what it costs God, we are grateful. And all these temporal things mean nothing. Because eternally we realize, oh boy, I passed that line of condemnation to justification. Thank you, Lord. And I didn't do, I couldn't do anything for that. But believe. But believe. Okay? 
And once we understand that, things start changing. We start prioritizing God, this God who loved me. Don't make it us. Us doesn't change anything. Okay, Us doesn't change anything. Only me changes. Jesus died. That is history. Jesus died for me. is salvation. Everywhere it has to be very personal. Very personal. That's why it's easy to get lost in a crowd. But God doesn't look at the crowd. Doesn't look at the crowd. He always looks at individuals. And it's individually we make our decision. Make our decision. Okay, so when we stand before God, we stand individually. The only person who will be asked, if somebody is asked to say something on a behalf, I may be called to speak on your behalf. <laughs> so better be nice to me, okay? <laughs> Pastor, what do you say about this one? I'll say, Dada, Dada, he, Dada, this one never came on time. <laughs> okay, don't worry. I'll try to put in a good word, okay? <laughs> but you know, before truth, you can't lie. Okay. So there is she. She's come ahead of time. She goes, and you need to realize, she came out with her picture on her shoulder. Okay. These are simple things. Okay. Did you bring a Bible? Oh, halfway research. I forgot. I'll go for my Bible back. <laughs> if she had forgotten her picture, by the time she go, when go, go back, goes back to get the picture, another girl would have come before, after her. See, this is why we talk about order and discipline. Order and discipline. Because these things have to be ingrained. Because you do not realize sometimes how these things really matter in life. Matter in life. With God and even in normal life. Okay, so you will see. She's very purposeful. She she went there. It happened. Before he had finished speaking, that Rebecca, that is Nahor's daughter, came out with her picture on her shoulder. Okay. So she has come with very clear purpose. And she's come there. When you come to verse 16, this is how. The young woman was very beautiful to behold. Now begins the description of the bride. Since the bride of Jesus Christ is the church, and it's called she, both men and women. So you have to take the physical description in Genesis 24 and apply it spiritually how it is applicable to all of us. The first thing mentioned about her is, of course, she came on time. She came alone. She didn't come with the crowd and waste her time gaggling because most people waste their time unnecessarily talking. The waste of time. I wish they spend that time praying. Then it's use of time. The amount of time. Think about last six days, seven, six days. We come to the first day, seven days. We wasted talking. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk, but about hours and hours and talking, 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 talking. She's not a girl who wastes her time. She knows she has to redeem her time. She knows if she comes with this group of gaggling women, you will end up talking, 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 forgot what you came for. So she comes alone. <laughs> the young, and now the description becomes, she is very beautiful. Let's go to First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Now it's specifically there in context-wise it is talking about a woman, but it is talking principle-wise to men and women. 
Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband. So every man, remember, you are supposed to become the prospective wife of Jesus Christ. Okay? Don't put this only for women. Okay? This is for men too. The head of man is Christ. So men have to be submissive to Christ in all things. In all things. Okay? Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. He says, in life you will meet all kinds of people who give no regard to God. All kinds of people will be there. But he says, when they see your conduct, when they see your conduct, they will be won over. Okay, this is the principle. What is that? When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. How is it? Do not let your adornment be merely outward. It's not saying that you should not dress well. But don't focus on that. I mean, if you if you look good outside and then Jesus comes and says, you are whitewashed grave, what's the point? <laughs> the Pharisees are going around in white cloaks and all those linings <laughs> that are around and they're feeling so good about themselves and Jesus said, you are whitewashed grave. It's terrible. So he's not talking about, okay, God is not saying that you should, you should dress neatly, dress clean, all that is fine, okay? Arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, so leave that. He says, shouldn't be outward. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. That is the person God is looking at. The inner man. That's the real man. Even though the outward man is perishing, doesn't matter how you adorn him. With fine apparel and golden braiding your hair and all, the outer man is perishing. Right? Perishing. The first thing I noticed when I came to this hall in the morning, I came last night, I left morning, there is already hair around. So your hair is falling. <laughs> outer man is perishing. Witnesses are there. <laughs> Evidence is all over on this white floor. It cannot be hidden. So even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being what is the first thing God looks in the inward man? The hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. That's the first thing. Okay? That is the first thing that Jesus said, no? Learn of me. No? We want to learn every doctrine. Jesus said it doesn't make any difference even if you know all doctrine and you have a divine doctorate on divinity. If you don't have a meek and a quiet spirit, you're worth nothing in the kingdom. So learn of me. I am meek and lowly. That's the first thing that is there about Rebecca. She's meek. The bride of Christ is meek. Meek and a gentle and a quiet spirit. Gentle and a quiet spirit. See, these are, this is part of the incorruptible beauty. There's a beauty that is incorruptible. We are born of incorruptible seed. The word of God. And if you allow it to be watered and guarded and appropriate conditions are met, the inward man will become more and more and more gentle and quiet. It will become. Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I said last night also, and most of you, the little ones probably were not born or probably wouldn't even remember, but I remember very distinctly that day. On that same day, two women died. In the 1980s, I think, I'm not very sure, 90, 90s, 1990s, two women died. Both women were icons. 
One was Diana, Princess of Wales, and the other was Mother Teresa. Both died on the same day. On one side, there was, on Diana, there was so much sorrow. On this side, there was so much sorrow. But these two women were like chalk and cheese. One was the icon of beauty, died in a car crash when she was with her Muslim boyfriend. The other died of old age, serving God for Jesus. Now let me ask you, who is beautiful? That's because you know the scripture. Who's beautiful? Who's actually beautiful? And I've heard, like I said yesterday, I've heard her speak, not personally, but recordings and all that. I've never seen her raise her voice. Never seen her raise her voice. It's very gentle. Very gentle. Very gentle. It's a woman who heard actually the voice of God. She was, she was from the old Yugoslavia. I don't know which, is it Slovenia today? I don't know which part she is from. And she actually heard the voice of God telling her to go to India and start this. And you need to understand, she's the only person under the Roman Catholic See who was actually given permission by the Pope to start her own order. Even the Popes who do not know God, God touched his heart to give this lady permission. And she came to Calcutta and she started this unbelievable work under tremendous opposition. It is not like we taking care of the poor or something. The kind of people she took care of us, like we wouldn't dare to go near them. Leopards and people with maggots through their wounds and all, carried them and cleaned them. And she is what we talk about. So there are two icons in front of her, in of us. Which is that we are talking about? What are we looking for? This is what God is talking about. The incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Whether you are a man or a woman. But this is general. This is it's not gender specific. Because this is what Jesus is looking for his bride. Because he is meek and lowly. After all he is called the lamb of God. How can a lamb marry a goat? What will be the children like? Lamb marries a lamb. Right? So he's meek and lowly. So the question is, will we become? We did not, we may not have started, we didn't start that way. The question is, can we become that way? No? John and James were called sons of thunder. Right? That's what they were called. Thunder. Who wanted to call down fire and all? But you read the epistles of John. Who is this gentle, meek and quiet man? How did he become like that? From thunder to whisper. How did he become like that? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is how you look at yourself and say, am I changing inside? This is our hope. The hope of our glory is Christ in us. And what is Christ like? This is what he is like. Who is he looking for? Somebody who is like him. Somebody. And therefore, in all whatever situations you are caught in, unmarried, married, homes, marriages, all, you need to realize you are put in there into these situations and God is framing you. You are trying to run out of your situations, but God says, I put you there. I put you there until you become that person. That is why if you go back to the book of, um, when you 
Read the book of Genesis from chapter 37 to 50. Twelve chapters are given to one man called Joseph. Because why? He is another type. Another type of an overcomer. And if you look at what he has to go through and what his brothers don't have to go through. His brothers don't go through anything until famine hits. But this man has to go through everything because He's available and he will become the overcome. So that's how we look at life. If you don't look at the eternal, temporal either will deceive us or it will fool us. Beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. And verse 5, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own Husbands, we can have verse 6 also, where one person is mentioned, if I'm right, Sarah. Okay. This is how they adorn themselves. Now, this is not an outside adornment. It is an inside adornment, which is visible after some time. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good, and I'm not afraid with anything. Whose daughters, so we, I think long ago we had a message called Daughters of Sarah. I really congratulate you. I've never heard in my life any wife who has put her husband's phone number as Lord. Never. And I told a young man who came to visit me, I said I was stunned when I heard it. That somebody actually put it in her phone, my Lord. And that's who your husband is. That's who your husband is. You need to understand what does scripture call the husband? Is Christ my Lord? He's my head, he's my Lord. The wife's head is a husband. It's not a small thing. Okay, That's why for all the women in the Bible, only one is mentioned. Only one is mentioned. And the husband said, say that you are my sister. Because they will kill me. She said, yes, my Lord. I'm your sister. If you say I'm your sister, I'm your sister. Second time, say you are my sister. Yes, my sister. And you will see she was not afraid. Because when you are under authority, you are not afraid. When you are submitted to the word of God, you are not afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Because God is your defender. And in every situation Sarah has gotten, you will see God intervenes and protects her. Even from the mistakes of her husband. Pharaoh has to release Sarah. Abimelech is told that I saw to that you didn't even put one finger on her. And what did Abraham do there? Nothing. But what she did, she do. She went by order. By order. So it's a lesson for us, a lesson for men too, when you know Christ as your Lord. As Jesus submitted to the Father in all things, even unto the cross. Even to the cross, dying on the cross, all he has is Father's word. You will rise up on the third day. I will see your body doesn't go through corruption. Yes, nothing else. That's why what does this last thing? It writes about his death. He committed his spirit into his father's hands. That is lordship. So God is speaking to us all over here and saying, what is he looking for? What is he looking for? Everywhere we have to look into these pictures and try to see what is God looking for over here. Because, yes, I want to be the bride. The question is, how do I become the bride? What are the patterns in the Bible? 
You know, there are patterns in the Bible. I will show you a few patterns. Just read scripture and then go back and do your homework. First, go to Daniel chapter 3, 1, 3 to 5. Then the king instructed Espinas, the master of his eunuch, a type of the Holy Spirit, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Okay? Young men in whom there was start. No blemish. Good looking. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach language and literature of the church. Seven qualities. Take it and look into scripture. How does it apply spiritually? These are seven qualities to stand before Jesus and serve the Father one day. This is how you go through scripture. Because in the New Testament, you only have doctrine. The pictures are in the Old Testament. So if you are actually in the race, and it's your personal race. Nobody can run with you, run for you. Only you can run. And the ones who are in you, with you may not be interested at all. But doesn't matter. Joseph, nobody was interested in Jacob's family, but Joseph was. So this is the way you go. So you have seven qualities mentioned over there. Another picture. Go to the book of Esther. Chapter 2, 8 to 9, and then verse 15. So it was when the king's command and decree were heard and many young women gathered as Sushan, the citadel, under the custody of Hegai, another person as a type, that Esther also was taken to the king's palace in the care of Hegai, the custodian of the women. Now the young woman pleased him and she obtained his favor. There were so many women, but one woman pleased the eunuch. One woman pleases the Holy Spirit. So he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Then seven choice maidservants were provided her from the king's palace. He moved her and her maidservant to the best place in the house of the women. Something is happening over there. Okay. And when it comes to verse 15, because every woman will get a chance to go to the king. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle, uh, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what a guy, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. Did you see that? All the others grabbed whatever they could, because you could ask anything. When it came to her, she asked for nothing. She said, you choose for me. You choose for me. Every woman chose for themselves. But this one, this is submission. She didn't choose for herself. She said, you choose for me. You choose for me. She said, you choose for me. So you see patterns in the Bible. The third pattern in the Bible. Go to Ruth chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. Another woman. Therefore, the mother, mother-in-law, Naomi, is telling Ruth. The Jewish mother-in-law is telling the Moabite daughter-in-law. Gentile. Therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, put on your best garment, go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. You shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all her mother-in-law instructed her. Did you see why all these women were chosen? What did they have? They all had a meek and a quiet spirit. They listened. They obeyed. And you will see, every one of them is redeemed. So God is putting us pictures over here. He says, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for. Whether you are a young person, Jacob has 12 sons, only one son obeys. Here I am. And you will see his destiny changes immediately after that. 
So whether you are young, whether you are a man, whether you are a woman, there is something post-salvation the Spirit of God is looking for. Do you have a meek and a quiet spirit? The Bible says, Him He will guide. Him He will teach. So it is not whether you you are hearing teaching or not. The question is, can you receive teaching? Can you receive teaching? Then go back to Genesis 24 and verse 16. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. Now that is a physical reality. Now we are not looking at that. We are looking at the spiritual reality. Please understand. When we come to Christ, we didn't come as virgins. We came as harlots. We were in the world, of the world, for the world. And some people still are. We were not virgins. They were harlots. What salvation does is, it takes harlots and makes virgins out of them. What the world is looking is to get virgins and make harlots out of them. Our children were born innocent. They were virgins. Men and boys and girls. What is the whole world after? To make harlots out of virgins. So when we came to Christ, like the Samaritan woman, it's the story. We were harlots. But what Christ does through the entire work of sanctification is to make virgins out of us. That's what he does. If you go to Paul, Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 and 3, he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. This is what I want to present on that day. On that day, he says, I want you, I can teach and show you how to do it. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to work this through you, on that day you will be presented to Christ as a pure, chaste virgin, undefiled by the world. Undefiled for the world. That's what the Bible is talking about. Because we'll ask about, what is this big thing about sanctification? At the end of it, what do I get? To be the bride. To be the bride. That is the purpose of sanctification. You need to understand, if you don't have motivation, without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. He is the rewarder. The rewarder. The greatest reward a king can give to a person in his kingdom is the right to sit with him on his throne. Sit with him on his throne. Be my bride. Sit with me. So this is what he's talking about. So he says, I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived ye by his craftiness, your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I can tell you the gospel is very simple. Salvation is very simple. I don't know why people don't get saved. I understand because I also didn't get saved for 19 years. But I didn't get saved because I never heard the gospel. First time I heard the gospel, I believed. Because it was so easy to believe. I found religion was very difficult, especially if you are born in a Syrian Christian family and go to the Syrian Christian church where it is three hour service and the mat is made of choir and you have to get up, kneel down and get up 50 times in an hour. You will believe that salvation is very difficult. (laughs) Only thing I understood from my church experience was my knees hurt like crazy. But when I heard the gospel, I thought it is so simple. It's not complex. It's very simple. Very, very simple. 
देखिए ओनली डिफिकल्ट पार्ट इज दैट एक्सेप्ट यू आर ए सिनर दैट आई हैव नो इश्यूज बिकॉज माई मदर ऑलवेज टोल्ड मी यू आर द वर्स्ट ऑफ द फाइव दैट वॉज वेरी इजी टू बिलीव आई डेंट आई डेंट नीड अ फ्रेंड टू टेल मी दैट यू आर ए सिनर आई न्यू दैट because my mother used to say that from your delivery time onwards because your head was so big you gave me the most trouble during delivery and afterwards so it was very easy to believe you are a sinner okay okay but the same mother finally changed her testimony and said <laughs> i realized i was born to give birth to you i understood purpose okay so we were all harlots we were all harlots honestly we were all harlots born in this world born we loved the world we enjoyed the world and many of you still enjoy it <laughs> that is why when i said about that your face became a little long pastor why are you pouring cold water over us if you want to be a bride simplicity of the gospel what does god do through the working of the word okay by the washing of the water of the word See, see, there were so many people. Jesus prayed through the night, and then, as the Holy Spirit said, "You, you, 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 follow me," and they followed him. And they followed him. By that time, he finished his ministry. Only eleven were left. Crowds left. Disciples left. Judas left. Only eleven were left. And he looked at the eleven and said, "You are clean because of the word. You are clean." because of the word you are clean because of the word he says you are clean you have been sanctified because you have allowed the word to cleanse you it shows in your action that when everybody left you have clung to me you have stayed with me till the end therefore he says now he says he uses his incredible illustration like i said unlike mine and pastor vijay's jesus illustrations are very simple there anybody can understand he says i am the vine you are the branches the father is the gardener father is the gardener and he tells a secret to all that we are learning abide in me abide stay abide learn to abide learn to abide the sun abides forever the slave comes in and goes out comes in and goes out comes in and goes out. stay stay abide let my words abide in you it is the work of the holy spirit by the simple thing that you stay in me it's as simple as that So there she is. If you go to Revelation chapter fourteen and verse one, and then verse four, okay. Now, so many various interpretations are there. Who this group is? Let's leave that. Just look at the picture, the principle here. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. So symbolic number, real number, we don't know, but where's one? Where are they? They are standing on Mount Zion. If you know the Old Testament history, Mount Zion is the peak pinnacle of Jerusalem. So there is Israel, there is Samaria, there is Judea, there is Jerusalem, and then there is Mount Zion. And the Lamb is standing on Mount Zion, and with him are one 
144,000. Though this is spiritual. Because how can 144,000 people stand on the peak? So it's spiritual. And they are standing with him. And that's a whole description. But we will go to verse 4 connected with today's teaching. These are the ones who were not defiled with women. For they are virtuous. So they are not talking about men. That means only men are going to make it to heaven. And it's like a Muslim heaven. It's not a, a Christian heaven. Because there only men go and virgins wait for them there. That is not what is written here. <laughs> it's a different thing. Here it is. <laughs> you have weird understanding of what heaven is. Okay. okay. Here, for they are virgins. So what it is talking about. In the Bible, woman is called, uh, church woman is called, Babylon is called, the mother of harlots and all. It's called women. So here, one Interpretation of this word women is doctrines, ideologies. You are not randomly what you are. You are because of what you think, what it was sold to you and you bought it. Nobody randomly went and bought anything from anywhere. Behind that there was an idea. Even in what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Behind it everything, this. that's why advertisement is a huge industry. They are selling products to you. And the first salesman was the devil. And he got enough Eden, he came there and he sold an idea. The whole idea of what he sold was, we don't see. It is not about eating from the tree of good and evil. That is not what he was trying to sell. They didn't understand what he was trying to sell. He says, you can be independent of God. That is the idea he sold. And we still are swallowing that idea that we can be independent of God. And we are still making decisions in life independent of God. That is what was sold. Independent of God. The son comes and says, I will do nothing by myself. I will do only what I have heard and I have seen my father do. I will tell you, it is not independence from God that brings liberty. It is absolute total dependence upon God that brings Liberty. So that's what he sold. And we are still buying it. So these are virgins who never defined. It is not that they were became that in one day, but they became that over a period of time. They allowed their thinking, every argument, every idea, every imagination that was contrary to Christ. The knowledge of Christ, not the word of God. The knowledge of Christ. Because the word of God has to give us the knowledge of who Christ is. Because the Father is is conforming us not to a doctrine. He's conforming us to a person. The person of Jesus Christ. That is what happened. They are dealing with issues in their own mind. Because the battle is in your mind. You all can be free in one minute if you want. If you decide in your mind, I will surrender. I will surrender. That's all. One, one You know how easy deliverance is? Ask Apostle, Saul, uh, Apostle Paul when you reach heaven. How difficult was it? He says, one minute. I said, what do you want me to do? Who are you? Jesus of Nazareth. Next minute, what do you want me to do? Surrendered. Never looked back. We take, he, he took one minute to surrender. We take 15 years, 20 years, 30 years and still not surrendered. It's so simple. It is not difficult. It is not difficult. So there is. For they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. This illustration we have used many times and I have said that. There is only one set of people who can follow the Lamb 
wherever he goes. Who are they? His wife. Right? Example I gave yesterday, right? If you, how many of you listened yesterday? I know you're very busy people. Elections are in. You have to go for canvassing and all that. I know, you know, I know you're very busy people. But if you listen to yesterday's question and answer, I said it's very simple. We can use simple, practical, our day-to-day life examples about it. Like I said, if you come to my house, there are a lot of people who stand at the gate. They don't come in. They might be vendors or something. The vendors miss my mother. They loved her, my mother very much because she used to sit on the chair after a bath with her hair all down and they used to say, Durga Mata, Kali Mata. <laughs> <laughs> and they used to give her one kilo tomato extra, one kilo onions extra because they used to love my mother sitting over. These are all stories I'm finding out after she passed away. But they don't come in. Then there are others who cross the gate and come to the door. Then there are others who come inside. Then there are others who have allowed to go further. And there are children who can go anywhere. But you know, let us think you are a husband or you are a wife or your husband. And you are in the bathroom, you are showering and you forgot something. Who is the only one who can come in there? The spouse. Nobody else can come in there. Even children won't come in there. There's only one person who can go wherever he goes. Every other place there is a limitation. There is only one person, only one person who can come wherever you go. That's your spouse. That's your spouse. That's the first statement made about Adam and Eve before the fall. They were naked and they were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. So this set of people are absolutely naked in their spiritual life before God. And they have nothing to be ashamed of because they have dealt with it all in this life. Because man is controlled by fear and shame. They have no fear. They have no shame because their lives, remember, the the flooring of heaven is like a glass of fire, transparent. Can we stand there? Can our lives go through that transparency and that fire of God's eyes? You read Revelation 1 and 2. Look at Jesus' eyes. Sees everything. The writer of Hebrews says, nothing is hidden from his eyes. And here are people who never let anything hidden from his eyes. Therefore, now they. So they are the first fruits unto the Lamb. So we're seeing a picture. A picture. And the picture in the Old Covenant is Rebecca. She's the picture. She's the picture of that. And then we come to the next verse. Okay, understand, this is the end. This is a, it's, this is an ongoing journey. This is our ongoing journey. If you, if you, yeah, we'll leave the other two verses. Okay. Go now. Now the young woman was very beautiful. Okay. And she went down to the well, well, pitched, filled her pitcher and came up. How many of you will do that? If there are a dozen men and camels on the roadside, how many of you will do that? Forgot the picture, forgot the water, everything. Who are these people? Where did they come from? Did you see how focused she is? Can you be focused in church? A baby may cry. How, why should it disturb you? The baby has a mother. Somebody may move on. Immediately attention gone. You see, absolutely focused. There are people there. She's not looking at anybody. She knows what she's come for. Do you know what you've come for? Most children do not well do well in academics. It's because they don't listen. 
A simple reason. They don't do well in academics is not because the teacher is bad. The reason is because they don't listen. They don't listen. She's absolutely focused. What did you come there for? You came there for what? Why did you come early? So that I can take it early and start my work early. Because if I am late, all the ladies will come. They will be pushing and rushing. And after some time, the water will all become muddy. And you will waste time in unnecessary gossip. But you need to go back. There is work to be done. You see, simple principles. We'll wonder, no, pastor keeps on talking about time and focus and order. How does it make a difference? It will make a difference in eternity. It will make a difference in eternity. Like I said yesterday, God's kingdom, God's universe is an absolute order. This is October 22, 2023. You can find out October 22, 2024, exactly what time the sun will rise. 2050, exactly what moment. You know why? That's how orderly his universe is. The only disorderly set of people are humans. Because we have been given a free will. Not animals. Animals have order. If any animal has disorder, you can be remember it is your pet. Because you made it disorderly. (laughs) (laughs) The polar bear can sleep for six months at a time. Because that's his order. You look at you look at how God has created. It's unbelievable. Birds going on migration for ten thousand miles, and they don't lose their way. And when it's finished, they go right back. They don't go shopping in between. <laughs> if, if if you go, I, I don't go. I don't know. When was the last time I visited a shopping mall? I don't know. I think it was last century. Okay. But if you if you have ever gone to these big shopping malls, sometime later you will see an announcement, baby lost found. Please parents come and claim it. You know the baby was not lost, the parents were lost. <laughs> they were so engrossed in the shopping that they even lost their baby. You did you see this? Simple you have to read this whole chapter. It is fantastic. Go through it words by words by words by words by God. Here is a girl who has been picked by you for Isaac. I want to be like that. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. Do you see? Servant ran. Who is that? Abraham's servant. The one who is in charge of the entire Khandan. Ran to meet a person. Who is on time, who is on purpose, who is on purpose, who is an answer to a prayer. The Spirit of God runs. God runs. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch, gone to Jerusalem for this thing. Lord of people comes to Jerusalem, thousands and thousands, they all go back. But here is one man going back. And why does the Holy Spirit take Philip and says, run after him? Because even after he's going back after, he's still reading. He's still reading. So he came with purpose. He didn't come as a tourist. He's finished the pilgrimage, going back, breaking his head on the scroll of Isaiah, in a chariot reading. And God said, run. Run. The Bible says, Philip ran. Philip ran. Eliezer ran. Will God run towards us? Will God stop for us? 
Like I said, Lord, you read the Gospels of Jesus Christ. God hears faith. God sees faith. God feels faith. He said, who touched me? So he felt faith. When he saw their faith, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. He could see faith. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus stopped. Who Bring him here. He heard faith. We heard a cry. He heard faith. He heard a cry. Now, the first 20, 25 minutes of this morning, God heard the same cry words from every mouth. But in whose voice was their faith? They also heard what we have heard, the gospel. But what they heard, they did not mix it with faith. Therefore, it was of no use to them. That's why the tune is not what is important. Though it's attractive, it attracts us. What is important are the lyrics. The lyrics. And those lyrics have to be uttered with faith. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Sometimes when you are doing your personal worship, you need only one song. You don't need five songs, ten songs. Over and over again, I believe. I believe what I am saying. I believe. So he ran towards him. And he says, please let me drink a little water from your feet. Awesome, no? This is Rebecca. The daughter of Nahor. Beautiful, virgin, disciplined, big khandan. Few thousand years later, Jesus will stand by the well side. And here will come a Samaritan, married five times, living with the sixth one. And he will ask her, can I have some water? And she's shocked. You are a rabbi? You're asking me for water? She also came alone. But she didn't come in the morning or the evening. She came at midday. Because nobody would come with her. She came at midday. And for her too, God was waiting. Understand? Significance. Significance. And the servant ran. And let's go further. <clears throat> so she said, drink my Lord. Oh, she's a very respectful person. We don't have to say Lord, but we can say sir. Today, nobody wants. Oh, don't say sir. Just call me by name. No, I won't call you by name. I'll call you sir. I'm sorry. Not to call you by name is your culture. To call you sir or madam is my culture. Sir, it's a respect. It doesn't matter who it is. Because sometimes when, every time I use Hindi, Nepali or I speak Hindi, anybody, even it's a common worker, I say aap. I don't say tum. Aap, saab, aap, aap. Ame kum to aap bula re. Aap. It doesn't matter because you do not know one day he may judge over you. <laughs> you don't know? Because sometime back, but they keep changing. There were these uh, MCH uh, sweepers on the road. No, on the road. And that lady, we always give her something. And then one day she shows from her pocket, Pastor, your transcript. Sin iniquity transgression in Telugu. Now what happens? You reach to heaven and she's put over you. It's good, better to call her madam. 
you do not know there is going to be an inversion in eternity you will be shocked at the people who are going to rule the first will become the last judging is not according to what is happening over here it's going to be an absolute mind boggling revelation in eternity so what he said from east and they will come and sit at the table with abraham isaac and jacob so we have she's a very respectful person then she quickly let her pitcher down to her gave him a drink <clears throat> and she had finished giving him a drink she said i will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking and what did she do verse yeah then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camel did you see that what she's doing this is what is important along with the other things there are two kinds of people in the world one is selfish the other is selfless which category do you belong I said yesterday I want the KJV first Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 one and two all alone is enough oh sorry second Timothy not first Timothy second Timothy second Timothy chapter 3 verses not Peter Timothy chapter 3 KJV verses 1 to 4 know this So you should know this. That's what I said. No, that's the only place Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul, actually specifically said, "Know this." So when God says in one place in the Bible, "Know this," you better know this. Know this that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous, terrible times shall come. Why? Simple reason. One reason alone. There are so many things mentioned. One reason: what is that? Men shall be lovers of themselves. That is what causes everything. They are selfish. They are self-centered. It is me, mine. It is me first. Men shall be lovers of themselves. That is the root cause of all problems. Lovers of themselves. And there is another word which is there in Chapters two. without natural affection natural affection that's what we saw at the worst virulent time when the hamas terrorists butchered baby this is a natural affection you look at that baby you should take that baby anisha's baby hold in your arm and say this kind of baby is the butchered beheaded what happened to natural affection this is the extreme there is no natural affection also left in the last days go which will create this huge huge problem natural natural is not divine normal natural affection which parents have for children children have for parents brothers have for one another friends the natural affection also will go why does it go because people are lovers of themselves so if you are selfish ultimately if you weigh in your balance you are a taker if you are selfless ultimately when you on the balance you are a giver and you look at the first thing about rebecca she's a giver and it's all strangers she sees them and she says can you give us a drink first thing she pours water for him and she pours 
water for all the camels. The camels can drink you out of the house. There are ten camels. So it is not a one-time thing. That means she is a hard-working young girl. She's got strength. She's got strength. She didn't collapse after two buckets. Chakkarara. Did you see that? And yet she's from one of the most wealthiest families in the town. So that's what I'm telling you. We need to understand this simple thing, what is called the dignity of any labor. Any labor. There is dignity. Not in certain professions or certain offices. Every labor has dignity. That's why when the father sent his son, he sent him as a carpenter. He became a carpenter. How many parents here wants their children to be a carpenter? No. Mm, carpenter? No. Engineer? What about plumber? <gasps> when your pipes are clogged, you call the engineer or the plumber? <laughs> hmm? When one leg falls off your dining chair, whom do you call? The doctor or the carpenter? Nobody wants to be a carpenter. We don't understand. This is, these are simple things. See, these things don't come just on one day. These things come because you have understood these things. My God is a worker. He instituted work. There's going to be work in eternity. So every work has its own dignity. Its own dignity. Indians will do any work only when they go to America. Because there is dollar in it. <laughs> Doctor becomes car wash. Why? Because there's more money in washing cars in America than being a doctor in India. They will do anything there. In India they won't. Only where there is money. Let me ask you this question. Are you working for money? You're a slave. She's not working for money. That's why I personally disagree to children doing chores in the house and getting pocket money. No. That's your chores. Where should you get pocket money? Pocket money you get because the father has a pocket and there is money in it. <laughs> you don't get pocket money. How can you do? See, if the children needs to get pocket money for their chores, then the wife needs to get a salary for cooking. The husband needs to get... See, everybody is now... How can you live in a house like that? The husband at the end of the day, you haven't paid my wages. The wife says, I cooked for you, you haven't paid my wages. You can't live like that. No? No, it doesn't work like that. Okay? <laughs> you can't work like that. You have to understand there is, there is dignity in any work you do and the joy of doing it is what is your, what you receive. Your reward. The joy of doing it. Otherwise, you know what, what will happen is, I'll Ultimately, you will take this ethos into your service for God. That is the problem. That is the problem. The problem is ultimately you will take this work culture which works for money alone into your relationship with God. And you start serving God for money. That is what Satan told God about Job. Oh you, anybody can worship and serve you the way you have blessed him. Take it away and let us see what he will do. God said, take it away. I know him. I know him. He didn't work for money. His wife did. He didn't. 
Because when all that went, your worship, why first? Okay, so we need to understand these fundamental principles that, Lord, thank you, Lord. I'm healthy. I got up in the morning. My, all my limbs are fine. Thank you, Lord. There are many who are without some of those videos you see with people with no limbs. The kind of work they do, it baffles you. This fellow, I think he doesn't have hands. He just, with his feet. He repairs bikes with that feet. And here we are with every limb. We can't repair anything. <laughs> and we complain. We complain. Please understand this. God has given us a body. And God has given us time. This body is for this time. And if you can allow this body to be used for his service in this lifetime, he will give you another body which doesn't need sleep, which never goes tired, which dimensions will be completely different and you can serve him forever. But you won't get it unless you do it here with this perishable body. So there is a very good motive behind how you serve here. How you serve here. Okay, yeah, of course you'll get tired. Sleep. Get up and start working again. Because this is what she is doing. My father and I are at work from the beginning and we are still at work. The father works, the son works. What about his wife? Oh, she sleeps. What a picture in heaven. Father is working, spirit is working, son is working, church is bride is sleeping. Because she was used to sleeping long hours at at earth. So she can't change her habit. Think about it. Think about it. It is humor, but pun intended. Okay? Think about all these things. Okay? There are so many lovers of self. And we are living in a self-driven world. The first thing Jesus says is, so many people are following him. And we all followed him. We believed him, followed him. But he says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he has to deny. That's the first step. And there we stop. Deny himself. Because the motive in the world is, even if you give, it is to get. So the bride here is totally, totally transformed. She's fair. She has a meek and a quiet spirit. Okay, meek and a quiet spirit. When I was young, my father and my mother used to fight. Now both are dead. They're listening. Okay, God bless you. I'm just using an illustration. Actually, my mother used to fight. My father was very silent. Okay. One of the days I asked him, what is the secret? He said, son, it takes two hands to clap. If one hand is silent, nothing will happen. It will be just a lot of air. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. How long can they talk alone? After some time, she will also stop. <laughs> he was a man beyond his years. <laughs> I remember, I was in class six. Some of the things I can remember very vividly. I was in class six. And there was this young teacher who said, sir, I am Indian teacher. He said, sir, I am preparing for IAS. And I said, my father said, why do you want to do IAS? No, once I do IAS, you know how it is in India. The dowry will be, no. How people connect dowry with IAS? Okay, look again. 
And I heard my father make one statement which is stuck in my brain from classics. He said, man makes money. Don't let money make you. What a statement for a man who was not born again. Man makes money. Don't let money make you. An older man, principal, giving advice to a young teacher who is studying to become an IAS officer. What is your motive? What is your purpose? So there she is. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But as you abound in everything, yeah, verse 1, yeah, abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What is that grace? Of giving, verse 5. Let's go to 5. And not only as we had hoped, first they gave themselves to the Lord, and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so you would also complete this grace as well. So the grace of giving. Think about it. Honestly think about it. The grace of giving. For God so loved the world. He gave. He gave. He gave. That's why we are here. He gave. Rebecca will reach Isaac's house because she gave. In a way, she will become one of the second matriarch of Israel. You know why? A simple thing. She saw a man who was thirsty. He said, can you give me a drink? And she saw all the men and the camels are thirsty. She said, Sir, don't worry about it. She looked, one look, she said, these people have come from far. There's the dust all over them. They look tired. She said, you please wait over there. Here, drink some water. And she filled the trough until all the camels had drunk. Did she ever think this one action would make her the matriarch of Israel? Did she ever think? But that was her nature. That was her culture. That was who she was. That was who she was. And go through the Bible, you will suddenly see pictures like that emerging through the Bible. Through the Bible. We are saved by grace. Yes, the grace of God. How does the grace work out? Look at what Apostle Paul says in 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What did he do? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Do you see that? He labored more than all the apostles. Why? Because he says, unlike them, I persecuted the church and he saved me. So I am eternally grateful that he saved a sinner like me. He who is forgiven much, loves much and it pours out. Love gives. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. So if anybody says he or she loves you and never gives, that is not true. It's not possible to love without giving. So if you say you love God, you need to also ask, what have I given God? Do you remember? Aruna's threshold, when thousands have died, and to stop the death, he has to offer a sacrifice. And Aruna says, my Lord, take it all. It's yours, my king. 
David said, I will not offer the Lord anything that has not cost me. I will not offer the Lord anything that has not cost me. Okay, remember the final at Bethany, the alabaster oil? Think on these things. And we will see she waters the trout and sees all the camel's drink. All the camel's drink. Think about it. Honestly, think about it. It will change your life. It will change your life. It will change your life. It would change her life. Words, let's skip forward. The rest you can read on your own. Let's look at verse 23. 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel. Two bracelets for our wrist weighing shekels. This should be the order. The problem in the Corinthian church was that they did not have this heart but they had the gifts and they were all flaunting their gifts. There was so much dissension in the church. This should be the order. This woman has the fruit. And the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts. This is the balance. You, a bird with one wing cannot fly. A lot of people only have the gift. They don't have the fruit. A lot of people have the fruit, but they don't have the gifts. But when Eliezer sees she has that, what he takes out are the gifts out. The gifts. So there is a God who is looking to give us gifts. Gifts. But here he's waiting. He waited on, he trying to see, will she finish what she has started or just words? Or she will finish what she promised. And she finishes it. Then he finds out who she is, he's tickled pink and all. Then he asks a question in verse 23. Okay. Whose daughter are you? Tell me please. Is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milka's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. She asked, she asked a question. It's an interesting question. Okay, now remember, this is a woman. This is a woman. The man is asking the woman, is there a place in your house for us to lodge? Will a woman of any, any culture say yes? No. They will not say yes. I need to ask my father. I should ask, ask my brother. Why did she say yes? Because it's a very hospitable house. Did you get the picture? She said, yeah. Can your child invite anybody to your house? He will or she will if they know if you are hospitable. Even to strangers. That's where his courage comes from. But if you are such a kind of person who says, don't bring anybody here. I don't like people coming in over here. He won't invite. Or she won't invite. Where did she get it from? Where did she get it from? Where did you get a boldness? See, yes, come, this place, all of you. You're not talking one or two people. You're talking about 10 or 11 people. She says, yeah. Not a problem. We have space. You need to understand how important hospitality is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And one of the conditions for ministry was that the pastor or the deacon should be hospitable. Have to see. If a widow has to be included in the group to be supported by the church, one of the conditions was she was hospitable when she was living. When she was not a widow. 
if she did not wash the feet of the saints and was not a hospitable person herself, she is not worthy to receive hospitality from the church. That is how important hospitality was. We need to understand what the rules in the kingdom are. This is not going to do with salvation. We are not looking at salvation. We are looking at rewards. And we need to realize when we stand before God and when we are judged, what are the parameters under which we are being judged? Oh, well, Lord, I did not know. God, you didn't read your word? You didn't listen to the messages? I told you this is how you will be judged. And she's a very hospitable person. Hospitable person. And these are things we should be in our mind. In our mind. And there are people in the church who are hospitable, but I'm saying all of you should have that heart. And it doesn't matter. You don't need to give five star comfort. Just comfort. First you need to have an open heart. Then they go there, it's all excitement, everything and all. Okay, everything and excitement. They finally realize this is from God and everything. So we'll fast forward from there because we are watching a movie of the end days. And in verse 54, everybody is sure this is from God. They are all excited. I saw their relatives, no cousins and everything. And he, the men who were with him, ate and drank and stayed all night. Please remember, he did not eat until he had given his entire testimony and purpose. We will eat first and then give our testimony. <laughs> because we are very zealous for the food. <laughs> he was zealous for the Lord. You need to understand his zeal. His zeal is such that he, though he's traveled so far and is so tired and they're probably so hungry, they said, no. Let me tell you, because so excited purpose has been fulfilled. We found the purpose. 450 kilometers or miles we have traveled all these weeks and months and searching. We found that God let like a laser missile right to the right house. We found the right girl. He's, that's why every, you, you read that whole account, you will see how many times Eliezer is worshipping, 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 because he's so excited. Wow, what a God of Abraham. The God of Abraham is so, we started committing this journey into his hands and he has given us success. Every time he finds it, he will worship. And he's not worried about who is looking. He will just worship. So question is, where did Eliezer learn worship from? Abraham. How come Lot never learned? How could a Damascus Syrian learn to worship in Abraham's house and the whole nephew did not ever learn to worship and at the end when judgment comes he loses everything and almost all his family because he didn't learn to worship. But these are things which are imparted but some people don't receive it. You worship. Eliezer worships at every point. That's why you get the pictures of all the little ones the parents will send of them singing and worshipping. But the thing is that awesome. But under 10 years from now, they still should be worshipped. It's awesome. They should do worship this thing. They're not really worshipping, they're imitating. But that's fine. But my question to you is this. Serious question to you is this. Are they imitating a video or you? Who are they imitating? A video or you? I don't know. I'm just asking a question. So they said, they arose in the morning and said, send me away to my master. There is an urgency of the Holy Spirit. 
once the bride has been found, there will be a quickening. Please understand, there will be a quickening for the Holy Spirit to leave. Because the bride has been found. There is no point tarrying anymore. There is a quickening. Mr. Laban and the rest of the family. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten, after that she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Think about, think about these kind of things. You know, I'm, I'm honestly telling you, think about these things. Okay. Because you, you need to get this mindset. You know, because I see this in ministry. Because I'm not judging. I'm judging people like me who are in ministry. Every place I go, whether there is this big ministry and all, after the conference is over, nobody goes home. They're still there for five days visiting the city. I'm the only one who leaves. I don't see any place. I did not come here as a tourist. I have come on purpose. I am going home. And they told me, how come you don't want to see? I said, if you see now, you have to pay. There is a time called rapture where I see everything free. But right now I have, I have a time and I have a purpose. You took about any cities in the world where I have been on ministry. I haven't seen anything. From the car window, I saw Burj Khalifa. And that was enough for me. And when people ask me, I said, it is written in the book of Revelation 18, 19, all this will be haunts of demons. All these shopping malls, everything will be empty, there will be nothing. Everything will be shaken, everything. Why should I go waste my time looking at things where demons are going to live tomorrow? You read scripture, you will suddenly understand many of the places you go and waste your money are places others are going to decide one day. And I don't like Singapore. Because it's a man-made city. You get into them, they will start extolling man. Why should I hear about all what man has done? Look at around the nature and look at what God has done. They said, let us go. The others are saying, no, say 10 days and eat. We will take that invitation. Thank you, 10 days. I was hoping for two weeks. We'll make so many excuses. After all, I travel 450 miles. It was three, four months. And the camel is not an easy animal. Every bone on my body is aching. And the food is good. The bed is soft. I will take 10 days. He said, I'm going tomorrow. Can I go back? Do you know purpose? When you go somewhere, do you know what you have gone there for? That's the first thing. My first job, my second job. I go to the second job. It is in Hyderabad. I'm a young man working in Orient Longman and on the latest entry, editor with uh, their fiction series. And the problem is it's a huge office with cabinets and everybody can see everybody above their shoulders. And the chairman is sitting on my right. And the director is sitting right where I can see him. And there are two other two girls, one from GNU, one from HUI, from IFLU. We three are sitting over here. First day I finish my work and I'm ready, packing everything. It was five, the office finishes. And they are saying, James, Nobody leaves at five. I said, why? They haven't finished their work. They said, no. We wait for the chairman to leave, then the director to leave, then only we go. I said, ah. So I didn't leave the first day. Second day also. Third day I was getting uneasy because I finished my work. Third day I picked my bag and left because I have to go home. I'm not working for you. I'm working for my home for you. The reason I go to office is for my family. The third day, the junior most employee in the company stood up, took his bag and walked right in front of the chairman and the director. They didn't say anything. 
Second day, two of the girls also walked and walked behind me. I was a Daniel in the company. I didn't defile my heart with too much work. People need to understand. What are you there for? People will sit there till two o'clock to please their boss. Who doesn't like them? Go home. Your wife is waiting. Your children are waiting. Go home. Because when you go to work, you need to understand who am I working for? What am I working for? Who am I working for? So they said, let us go. These are simple things which people need to understand. But this is how the kingdom of God operates. What am I here for? They finished and they said, okay, 10 days. They said, let's ask the girl personally. And he said, so they said, we'll call the young woman, ask her personally. And the girl is asked. What does she say? Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Something. You need to understand one thing. This is like not today. It's not like today. Because I have come through all this thing is that I, I remember as a child, every day, evening, we wait. One letter from your parents take between 30 to 45 days that letter to reach. So you hear from your parents once in 45 days. No telephones, nothing. You're talking about connecting with family. Okay? Then telephone came. It is not easy to get a telephone. You have to pay 10,000 as special deposit to get a connection. That you may get in six months. If you apply normal, it may take one or two years to get a telephone connection. To get a Bajaj Chetak, you have to put foreign money. Bajaj Chetak. Now you are selling on the roads all bikes with Shamyanas. Come, 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 buy. You need to realize the reality in which we lived once. Then mobile came, these things all came. So you're looking at a time when a girl leaves her father's house and goes, she never comes back. He, I said, doesn't have to tell Maike Matujayo. There is no going. <laughs> this is not an easy, I will go. She has to add, I will go and never come back. There's no, no coming back. There's no coming back. There's no seeing them again. Rebecca will never see her family again. Think about it. So when they are talking about these 10 days, it may not matter to these 10 people who are going back to their home. It matters to her, yes, 10 days or 5 days at least. She says, I will go. And the question is, do you know Isaac? No. Have you seen him? No. What do you know about him? Only what I have heard about him. I don't know anything about him. Ask this question. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Lord, you come. Meaning, leave them behind. You come and take me. If they are not interested in you, why are you interested in them? That's a simple question. That is what is, let him be accursed, anthema. Let him be cursed. What is the greatest curse when you are bringing maranatha and curse together is to be left behind. If you don't love Jesus that way. Revelation 22, 20. 
The last but one words in the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. And what does the bride say? Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said in Luke 14 and verse 26? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also. He says, you cannot be my disciple. It's not possible. Because something will pull you. Christ demands that affection from us. Will you go? And you will say, yes, sir. what about dad? No. What about mom? Yes. What about wife? What about husband? What about children? I will go. If you don't have that heart, Enoch cannot go. Enoch won't be raptured. Because he has got his parents, he's got his wife, he's got his children, he's got everybody. How can even Enoch go? He was translated. Enoch is the first one who is translated in the Bible. First one to be translated. To be translated from his family. He had to have loved God more than anyone. Not that he loved. It's like Brutus telling about why he murders. murders. Yes, Chandana, anything funny? I thought we were talking about something interesting, not funny. You know what Brutus tells about killing Shakespeare, sorry, Caesar? He says, not that I loved him less, but that I loved Rome more. It's not that we love our family less. It's because we love Christ more. It is not that Rebecca loved her family less. It's because she loved the man she was going to marry, whom she hadn't seen more. It was for that day, her whole life was prepared for one day. One day, a man will come. One day, a man will come. One day, a man will come. This is how our old old mindset was, ethos was. Our old mindset was this. My younger of the two sisters, I can tell about my family, no? It doesn't matter. It's not your family, my family, no? Younger sister had a huge issue with her husband. And, you know, one day she, I don't know what happened over there. She tried to kill herself. Okay, she swallowed all kind of pills, was taken to the hospital, and she flushed her stomach all out, okay? And he called, her husband called my mother and said, go see what your daughter has done. You know my mother, no? She went. She saw my sister, her daughter, got her discharged, put her in the auto, took her straight to husband's house and said, that's where you left and that's where you will stay. Those are tough people. They don't buckle under pressure. She said, you left us or him and you will stay with him. Work out your differences among yourself. You need to understand. Will you go? What is holding you back? Rebecca's starting point here is far better than Abraham's starting. He's stuck in Haran because he loved his father more than the call of God for years. Her starting point is greater than Abraham's. First choice, she said, I will go. Abraham didn't. God had to call him a second time after his father died. He said, there's no point talking to this man as long as father is dead. He won't alive. He won't go. So sometimes people say, if God never calls me, he says, he doesn't call you because he knows. He doesn't waste words. He knows if he calls you, you will say no. So he waits until you are ready. You are ready. 
So get this picture seen. The call, the Christ, the supremacy of Christ in our life. This is why I said in the beginning, you have to look at the temporal and you have to look at the eternal. In every life there is an eternal and a temporal. If, if, think about me as a woman. Okay? The choice is a woman. I have a father. Temporal. One day who will die. I have a father who is eternal, who never dies. I have a spouse who will, it, a temporal, who will die. I have a spouse who is eternal, who will never die. So when I have to choose between the temporal and the eternal, whom will I choose? That's the simple thing God is talking about. Whom will I choose? The temporal or the eternal? The eternal father or the temporal father? The eternal spouse or the temporal spouse? You choose, he says. He leaves the choice to us. But he will also tell us the consequences. Because I will choose those who have chosen me. That's why the Bible says many are called, very few are chosen. Very few are chosen. Because there are questions in the Bible which I still haven't understood. One of the questions I ask is that Joseph becomes governor of Egypt, number two in Egypt. And for the next 22 years, he does not seek his father or his brothers. Why? Because he's hearing in his spirit, wait, this is not the time. I did not bring you to Egypt to make you a governor. I brought you to Egypt to redeem my people for that wait for my time. And I know personally in my life and everybody's life, our biggest issue is not God's will. It's God's time. And nobody knows God's time. We'll say God makes all things beautiful in his time. The problem is we don't know his time. Even Apostle Paul did not know his time. His time. The only one who knew God's time was God's son. He said, my time is, your time is always. He said, my time has come. And that's our issue. But this is welcome. These are all things of the heart. These are all things of the heart. It's a very powerful verse which I spoke to the pastors on Tuesday. I think it's First Peter 3.15. First Peter 3.15, I think. Or Second Peter 3.15. 3.15, I'm right. But sanctify Lord God. In your heart. That's where it begins. Everything is heart-based, not mind-based first. Mind comes second. We are all mind-based people. No, you want to be holy. How do you become holy? By the law, it's not possible. That's mind-based. You want to be holy because without holiness, no one will see God. The first thing to do is in your heart every day, Lord, I sanctify you in your heart. Faith is of the heart. Love is of the heart. Holiness is of the heart. If it begins with the heart, even if you fall, you will rise back because your heart will convict you because it's based on a relationship. People all have mind relationships so they don't have convictions. That's why David is a very special person in the Bible because one thing God says about is, this is a man after my heart. His faith is from the heart. His love is from the heart. His holiness is from the heart. He has sanctified me in his heart. But when your heart is not given to God, it doesn't matter what God says. At some point you will draw a line and say, not further. I'm not going any further. I'm not going any further. So the Bible is not just cerebral. There's a lot of renewing of the mind. But the renewing of the mind will really not happen until your heart is surrendered. And it's just a simple question of going every day. Every day. One day you will know and he will know you have actually surrendered. We are not like Apostle Paul who first day surrenders and surrenders. We may have to go a hundred times, a thousand times. But we go and say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. One day you will wake up and you realize 
You have given here a stake. Then suddenly everything will start making sense. All the messages you heard, all the daily devotions starts becoming crystal clear. And it says, what happened? God says, you gave me a heart. Now you understand. Now you understand. You understand. Okay, now I understand. I understand. That's how it works. And she says, let's go. Right? And she goes, now we are coming to the finale. Then Rebecca and her maids, that's where it came. Will I be the bride or the bridesmaid? So bridesmaids were there. There were probably many girls in that house, servants in the house. All of them didn't go with Rebecca. So who went with Rebecca? Simple common sense logic. Who went with Rebecca? The maids Rebecca liked. These are not friends. These are slaves. But the ones who were close to her, whom she liked, whom she trusted. So you see categories in the kingdom. So they are going. Now they are not coming back. They will also never come back. All of them are journeying in the same direction. But the purpose is not the same. Only Rebecca will get married. So a lot of people will go to heaven. But all of them won't get to marry Jesus. Marry in the sense of spiritual union. So we may be all headed in the same direction. But is our objective the same? There they go. So the servant took Rebecca, departed, and now Isaac came from the way. Okay, it's all this six months, seven months, eight months journey is all in one line. Okay, because they are not tourists. Isaac came from the way of Eli Roy. Do you know who you heard about in this place earlier? Hagar. Remember? Hagar? Who said, the God who sees me. Okay, the God who sees me. And that's where he is. Okay, so she is going towards the promised land. He has come a small part of the way. That is where we get the picture of rapture. The bride is taken by the Spirit of God up and Christ comes part of the way to receive her. The picture in the Old Covenant. You need to realize for every doctrine in the Old Covenant, there must be a picture in the Old Testament. And that is why the longest chapter in the book of Genesis is given to Isaac's wedding. We should ask, why should the wedding get so much? Because it's symbolic of Christ and the church. Because marriage is a mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now Isaac came from the way of Roy, for he dwelled in the south. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Look at Isaac. This is, this is, this man? It's an unbelievable man. Right from childhood. Who allows his father to tie him on the altar, all that. He's 40 years old, he won't look for a girl. No girlfriend, no dating, nothing. I left it all to my dad. He's a praying man, he's a godly man. His experience, his choice is better than mine. So let him choose for me and he will not make a choice. Left it all to dad. Dad has left it to Eliezer. Now Eliezer is gone. He knows Eliezer has gone. But Eliezer is gone. What is he doing? He's meditating. What's Christ doing? Till his, till his church comes. What is Christ doing? What does the Bible say? He's forever making intercession. Okay. He's interceding for us. The church is on the way towards Christ. He comes part of the way and he lifted his eyes and looked and there the camels were coming. That's where we have the picture from the book of Thessalonians. Maybe we don't go over there today. 64 and 65. Rebecca lifted her eyes and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. 
for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. A simple question is this. She's traveled a long, long way. Said, if you know caravans, how they go, they travel, they sit, they light the fire, they eat, they talk. All these weeks and months, the conversation of Rebecca is over one man. Who is Isaac? Tell me about Isaac. Tell me about Isaac. Tell me about Isaac. When you come to the church, what do you want to hear about? How to prosper in the world? Seven steps to promotion? Six steps to healing? Or do you want to know about Jesus? What is your, where is your heart? The whole conversation is about a man she has not met. Enough. And she has, she's going down that road, this journey, and she has seen so many villages, so many men. So many men. She never asked this question, who is this man? She never asked this question, who is this man? For the first time she is asking, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? What does he say? The servant said, it is my master. Now look at this. What's the first thing she does? First thing she does. Now what's the first thing she does? She takes her veil and covers herself. Her first without words, her first action is, I come under your authority. You are my master. I come under your your authority. That's the first thing she does. That's the first thing she does. Now go to 1 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 8. You know what's it? Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexorable and full of glory. Have you seen him? No. Do we love him? Is the question. Has Rebecca seen him? No. Does she love him? Yes. Because all she has heard about is Isaac. The stories of Isaac. Stories about Isaac. And Eliezer can tell the stories about Isaac. You know my master Abraham and my mistress who passed away, Sarah, she was barren till 90. Do you know God visited their tent? I remember that day. How they fed God. How hospitable. And God pronounced a blessing over Sarah's womb next year this time. Do you know master is my master's birth is a miracle. A hundred year old man and a 90 year old woman. It is a miracle. That promised child. Do you know after his mother died, when he was young and strong, one day the master called us and said, let us go on a journey. We went on a three-day journey. Then he told us, you all stay here. I and the boy will go up, worship and come back. I heard the story of what happened. Do you know my master tied his son on the altar and he lifted the knife to sacrifice him and God stopped him. He has stories to tell. And Rebecca's mouth must be open. What a man. Do we have stories to tell about Jesus? What a man. He left heaven. He was the prince of heaven. There are so many things about Jesus I still cannot reconcile in my mind. Because this body is a body of humiliation. From morning onwards, you know that. You have to go to the loo. How many times on a Sunday? Those who did not go many times are going out now also. It's a body of humiliation. Jesus was God and he took that body 2,000 years ago where there were not modern toilets. 
Can you imagine what he went through? I am trying to reconcile these things about Jesus God, the Lord of Lords, waking up every morning and trying to find a place to relieve himself. For what? For my sake. You think about it. This is not a man who had to, but he chose to. Think about one small little thing. 2,000 years ago, think about it. We have running water, we have everything and flushes and everything. Jesus, 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. The stories of Jesus, we can say, everything he did is for you and me. Can we tell stories about Jesus? What a man. What a man. What a man. She has heard all those stories. When we have heard all the stories and reminded of those stories, even though we haven't seen him, we will love him. Because so many of you are struggling because you are in love with a face and not a person. That is modern life. You fall in love with faces. Then when you find the person, you don't like the person. So God doesn't give us a face. That's why there are no pictures of Jesus. No description of Jesus in the Bible. Hardly anything. What is we have is the revelation of a person. And he says, fall in love with that person. This is my son. This is my son. And you read the accounts of all the ancient martyrs. Who were given the chance to deny Jesus and love. They said, how can we? Deny him. How can we deny him? How can we deny him? Did they see him? No. Did they love him? Yes. But because we are 20th century media people, visual people, all is media, 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 media. So we have made Jesus also into a media picture. And after all those media, we still don't love him. You go into the villages where there is no media, nothing. You tell about Jesus. I still cannot forget those Pathans from Pakistan. I was looking at them and I was preaching. All my life, I've never seen a response there. Two times I saw. One was with the housemaids in Singapore. The second time was the Pakistani Pathans in, in Dubai. The Pathans were preaching. Uh, were weeping. Do you know what I was preaching about to them? The woman with the issue of blood. They were crying. They were just crying. And I'm preaching you in English, which I'm very fluent in and which you can understand well. I'm preaching to them in Hindi. And they were crying. The second time I was in Singapore, I told your church, I was very surprised because all were women and only one pastor and me were there. I was wondering what's wrong in this church. There's no men in this church. Then I realized these are all housemates. And they have group A, group B, group C, but they only get one Sunday off. So this is this group that has come on a Sunday and I was preaching in Nepali and they were weeping and they heard how kind and tender and compassionate Jesus is. Kind that Jesus is. That's this what we are talking about. We are so worried about our problems and our breakthroughs. And Do you have any time left to love Jesus? We loved him. 
whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing. Do you know what's written about the Thessalonian church? To whom about the first message of rapture in the Bible is written? In much affliction, you received him with great joy. Much affliction. I read some of the letters our children write from underground churches. Girls who've been beaten up and raped. They say, Daddy, I want to hate, but I can't. I want to hate, but I can't. Because I've been called to love. Because he loved me. And I have given my body as a living sacrifice unto him. Have you loved him? Have you loved him? Awesome, right? There she is. And we're 65. The wedding. Yeah. Yeah. 64. Yes. Then 65. Yeah. Let's look at 66. And the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Do you know what Jesus said? When the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak anything about himself. He will give a testimony about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit speaks. Sometimes they say, I don't hear from the Holy Spirit. Asking about Jesus, he will tell you. If you really want the Spirit of God to talk to you, take a Bible, open it and say, Spirit of God, can you show me Jesus? Then you will see the word, the books of the Bible, the pages of the Bible coming alive. And you will start seeing, as Peter said, the Spirit of Christ to us in them, revealing Jesus from the beginning. All things were made by him, for him, and through him. This is about him. And we come to the final verse. 67. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's den. He took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. Did you see that? He loved her. It's an arranged marriage. It's a perfect arranged marriage. But this is an arranged marriage which is based on persons, not on faces. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted. Isaac was comforted. Christ was comforted. He's been waiting for a long time. And if you look at the Middle East, you know time is running out. It's running out. Fast running out. And the church has to be ready, prepared. The only way you can actually be ready is by asking God, help me Lord, to love you with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul. Help me to love you. That's the way you get ready. That's your preparation. Because we can hear everything in the kingdom of God. But if you really want to understand what is the power of the Holy Spirit? You will realize, actually, it is love. Because everything God has done, creation and redemption, is because God loves. For God so loved the world. That is the motivation. That is the power. And that is the same power. God. And 
why he tells us do not love the world or the things in the world because the love of the Father won't be in you. These two loves cannot stay together. They are contrary to each other. The love of the world comes, the love of the Father will go. The love of the Father keeps coming in, the love of the world will go. Amen? Shall we stand? Father, this morning, we come to you. We look into our hearts and we truly, truly see, Father, we are shallow. We do love you, but we do not love you the way we should love you. The way we can love you. Because there are so many things that is between us and you. Useless things. Irrelevant things. Things which have no value in eternity. But we are clinging on to that. Therefore this morning, Father, once again, we stand on your word by faith. And we surrender. And we pray. We say to you, Lord, circumcise our hearts. Circumcise our hearts. Doesn't matter how painful it may be. When these people or things leave our life. That are holding us from you. Circumcise our hearts. That we may love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. You do it. We can't do it. Because we sometimes do not even know what are the things holding us back. Only you know. Therefore we give you the liberty, the authority to circumcise our hearts. Today, the 22nd of October, the year of the Lord 2023, once again we surrender our hearts to you, Lord. Circumcise. Circumcise. Take everything away that we may truly, truly love you. So that's the only question. You asked your disciple who had denied you. Peter, do you love me more than all these? The only question. He didn't ask, do you remember all my teaching? Is your faith still intact? He didn't ask him any of those questions. He says, if you have to feed my lamb, my sheep, I have only question, one question to you. Do you love me? Because love never fails. If you love me, you will serve me till the very end. You take care of my sheep, my lamb, till the very end. You will lay down your life for them whom I love till the very end. So the only question is this, do you love me? And we, we find the answer, we will suddenly realize the impossible in our life becomes possible. If we love him, all things becomes possible. That is what kept Jesus on the cross. He had all the power to come down to destroy his enemies. Just not the nails. Just not the authority of Caesar. Just the love for his father. And the love for us that kept him on the cross. Because he knew there was no other way for us to come to him. And the Spirit of God is still in search for the bride of Christ. Will you find some in this room? And the question he asks, 
still the same old question. Will you go with this man? Wherever he goes, whatever it entails, will you go? We surrender, Lord. We surrender. We surrender. When we do, we know all things will start falling into place in our lives. Therefore, we surrender ourselves individually and as a church. Take our lives. Use it for your glory. Help us to be faithful until you come. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.